Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Still Welcome to Still Potable! You are tuned in to the free version here on CLNS YouTube page. Please subscribe to that if you want to listen in to these free version of Still Potable. If you want the Still Potable version with Brian B. Rob Rob from MassLive.com, Jay King from The Athletic, and me, Jam Packard from Still Potable. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book and the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Media. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash stillpotable. We are the best daily Boston Celtics podcast, uh, and we are there on Patreon giving you amazing content Monday through Friday. Again, this is the free version that comes out uh, generally on Monday mornings. What We do the live stream on Sunday as well, but then we're doing – Fantastic episodes uh, for the rest of the week. So if you want to uh, listen to more of our content, go to patreon.com slash stillpotable. Today, we are here to talk Boston Celtics basketball. A big surprise there. But we are coming here to talk about, I guess, the two most recent games, the absolute drubbing of the Utah Jazz at home on Friday night, and then the win last night by the Boston Celtics where they – uh, beat the Pacers 118 to 101. A, a pretty close game, a game that uh, let the Pacers get back in in the third quarter. And then it was absolute domination by, I would say, Jason Tatum and the rest of the Celtics defense uh, there in the fourth quarter to kind of pull away there. And I, you know, I forgot about it. I, it happens it's seemingly every year. But it's January Jason Tatum time. It seems like the, the calendar shifts. It's a new year, and Jason Tatum just kind of shows up and gets back to being the all-NBA type player. It's not even that he was having a bad first couple of months of the season. It's that he was, like, less than what meeting, like, very, very high expectations. And so, B-Rob, I guess, what have you seen from Tatum over here over the past, I guess, 
three games in January that it's just like, what's your reaction to the, you know, the new Jason Tatum? I guess it's okay. New year, <laughs> new Tatum. <laughs> it is Packer. Like you, uh, he's done this for what, like three or four years now. And it's easy to forget every year. And then, then January hits and you're like, Oh yeah. Like new gear. And offensively for how efficient he was against the jazz on Friday night, um, to Saturday night against the Pacers, pretty much just toying with them all night, eight of 13 from three point range, 38, 38, 13 and six across the board for his box score line. It's just, um, it's, I mean, that team teams that have, these teams, we know they don't have anyone to defend him, but now it's just like he he punishes them more and more, it seems like. And when the jump shot is falling like that, Jay, like I don't know what you can do against him, especially when he's just entering this news phase of his career now where he's just about pretty much doing whatever the team needs to do to win night in and night out and caring less about the numbers, which he's talked about a lot these last couple of nights. Yeah, the pull-up three doesn't always go in. The step-back three doesn't always go in. But like you said, when it does, it totally changes. And to me, the most important play or the, the play that stood out the most to me was Tatum's hot. He's He's been hitting everything. He's absolutely destroying the Pacers, hitting just tough shot after tough shot, gets an ISO against Aaron Neesmith in the right corner and says, you know what? This isn't the best matchup for us and finds Jalen Brown at the elbow instead so that Jalen Brown can go at Tyrese Halliburton. And that, to me, showed the evolution, not just of Tatum, but of the Celtics, where their understanding, like, doesn't really matter if I'm super hot, doesn't matter, we have to do the right thing. And Tatum went and got free throws against Halliburton, or Jalen did, rather, and that, that was so smart. That that was the play that's the difference between Tatum early in his career and Tatum now. He does typically start slow. Last year was probably the, the lone exception where he really, really had a great, great start. I think he was number one in Tim Bontemps' straw poll MVP vote after the first third of the season. But it's probably better for the Celtics that he starts a little slow, paces himself a little bit, then comes on during the second half of the season because that that's when you really want him, especially because even without epic Jason Tatum performances night in and night out, the Celtics are at, atop the NBA. They now have a three-and-a-half game cushion on Milwaukee, who's in second place in the Eastern Conference. I just think that if Tatum's three-point shot comes back, especially those off-the-dribble shots, then that just adds one more layer to this Celtics offense, which I don't think is totally – played its best basketball yet i'm i'm looking at his month splits from the 2020 season to now he's actually a fantastic october player uh but he's only played 15 games there but it's really remarkable like his points per game really jump up in january his three-point percentage goes from like 35 in november december and jumps up to 37 38 in january shockingly though He's actually the best in March. March is his best month. He's a uh, March guy for sure. He's definitely March. He's a- averaging thirty points a game and forty percent from three. And so this is that's even including the- early in his career when he was only averaging probably like fourteen or fifteen. Oh, not not the looks. I, I was I narrowed it down to just the kind of post uh, bubble years because I wanted to you know really lock in on this clear statistical pattern we're seeing. Uh, uh, I don't know if a sample size of forty games in March works, but for this narrative, it does. Yeah the the fact that 
this team already has the record it has when Tatum hasn't gone to this level yet. It should be very scary for the rest of the NBA right now. And like Jay referenced, they're already up three and a half games in the East after last night. The Bucks lost to the Rockets. The Sixers got didn't get destroyed by the Jazz, but lost to the Jazz. They haven't beaten that game, but that was not great for them. They're not trending in the right direction right now. And so the Celtics can really, they have an opportunity here with one of the softest schedules remaining in the NBA to create a nice cushion for themselves at the top of the Eastern Conference if they keep taking care of business in a, in a tough January. And so far, so good uh, in the first two games of this tough five and seven stretch. Can I? Can we engage in a fun sports talk radio style debate? Please. Is Jason Tatum good enough to be the best player on a championship team? Can he be the guy? <laughs> is he top five player in this league? Because we saw him go into Oklahoma City and Shea Gildress Alexander wiped the floor with him. Jay King, your thoughts. This is, I hate this conversation. Yes, he's good enough. They almost won it two years ago. But he failed against the Warriors in he the He was finals. bad in that series. He was bad. They're better now. He's better now. He can do more things off the ball. He's smarter. He's a better screener. He's an insane rebounder for his position. He just, uh, it's a dumb conversation. That said, I will agree. Typically, NBA champions have like a top three player, a, a, a real MVP. And, and Tatum hasn't quite ever been at that level. Um, so like historically, you could probably say that the best player on a championship team is typically like a, a Jokic or a Steph Curry or a LeBron, like guys who are real MVPs. Tatum's a fringe MVP candidate. He's like the fourth or fifth on your ballot. He's awesome. And the Celtics are loaded. He's on this team, especially. I think he's good enough to be the best. I mean, with the personnel around him, it's going to just be able to highlight it more and more. I think that comes down to it's like the perfect storm of not only his progression of his own career, but guys that really play to his strengths and, you know, the recognition that he's had, like on plays like you point out, Jay, where it's like, okay, me taking these to the hoop, that's not great right now. We have, matchups better matchups elsewhere because against a Pacers team that are is a bottom five defense last night like that's him and Jalen Brown who we haven't even talked about yet 13 to 20 from the field like those guys just ate the Pacers wings up all night he, long Jalen killed Halliburton like just, just toasted scary. Halliburton time after time I thought that Bruce Brown was a huge loss for the Pacers especially in that matchup against the Celtics when Halliburton has to guard one of those guys like good night and the scary part is, I think about last night too, is the Celtics actually, they won that game with defense more than offense. I mean, the Pacers scored 102, 101 points. That's their lowest scoring night of the year. They had a miserable night shooting the ball from three. But the Celtics, you know, after they got torched in that game in the in-season tournament jam, like they just came out and particularly in that fourth quarter when push came to shove, they just were able to lock down in the spots and, and Halliburton didn't seem to get into a rhythm all night long. Yeah, and they were doing so without Chris Tapps Porzingis, who had to survive an ugly, ugly uh, scratching from we'll get former, that. former friend uh, Aaron Neesmith. But yeah, it's like the defensive end, um, it just felt like the ball stopping um, was much better, just stopping penetration, and like Halliburton couldn't really get it going the entire night. And then I just thought they did a better job of 
hands up like simple things al horford just being amazing like where's that guy still have the fountain of youth but his blocks his steals um allowing Jalen to get out and transition um i thought was super effective there uh before we talk more about the the rest of the pacers game and anything we want to talk about the jazz game uh we should hear from our the good the fine folks over at fanduel well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. And we're back. Thanks to you guys for joining us here on the CLNS YouTube. If you want more Still Potable, go to Patreon.com slash Still Potable. You'll get us every single day, Monday through Friday, as we do a game recap pretty much every single game. And we got some fun ones coming up uh, this week. Another one against the Pacers. The Timberwolves come to town for a revenge game and then another one against the Bucks. So you're going to want to go to patreon.com slash still potable to get all the recaps from those games. Jay, what else What else did you take away from that game against the Indiana Pacers? Brie-Rob touched on a little bit of uh, the defense, but holding Halliburton to 17 points and only seven assists this guy was basically averaging 20 assists per game over like the last week he's been an offensive machine on his own what'd you see from the celtics there i guess we'll focus on the defensive end well part of it i just thought al horford was so good you know christos porzingis goes out early they need al to come in and play a a whole bunch of minutes 10 points eight assists seven rebounds three blocks a steal Leads the break, finds Jalen Brown with an alley-oop. There's no way he's 37 years old. There is no <laughs> way. It's just not possible. It's, it's, it's the it's, longest prime ever. It's wild that he's still at this level defensively. Like, 
sure, you can extend your career by becoming a knockdown three-point shooter, which Al Horford has. He saw that evolution coming a long time ago, began working on a three-point shot a long time ago, has a much quicker release now, can get shots off more easily. That has been huge in allowing him to stay on the court. The only reason why he's still a viable player is because he has not taken a step back defensively. Somehow, he's still just an awesome, awesome defender. He was swatting shots off the board. He had that awesome steal that led to the fast break alley-oop. He is just, he can guard, he's still the rare big man who can switch and guard in space. And sometimes he gives up buckets, but it's almost always a guy shooting over the top of him. He makes him shoot over the top of him. The fact that he's still at that high level defensively is so important for the Celtics. And the fact that he's been pretty healthy, capable of playing whatever minutes they need. And it's been a smaller minutes load this year, which I think is really important. But he's he's just at such a high level. And that him staying there is key for the Celtics because like Cornette's been good, Keta's been good. But you need it to be Porzingis and Al once the playoffs come. And Al is just still at such a high level. It's crazy. Yeah, the, the difference on that front from last like right now is they needed Horford on the floor to win a lot last year. Um, and that led to the 31, 32 minutes per game, which was fine in the regular season. He was sitting the back-to-backs, but that's still a heavy minutes load regardless, even if you're sitting out those back-to-backs because – when you're at that age like that, it's going to wear on you. And I think we saw the byproduct of that as those long series rode on against the Sixers and the heat eventually at the end of last year. But now to your point, Jay, like they can not only are, is he up the minutes are down, but the Celtics have shown that like, Hey, Cornette can step in when Al's night off and they're still winning all these games, mostly handily. So they can also be able to build that cushion in during this mid range of the season. Now, and really rest him if they need to at the end of the year, like really gear up where he's keeping his, his stand up. He's keeping himself in top form, but you know, he's not putting the miles in the tires. And so I think that is, that's a, you know, a season long thing, a team long thing in terms of preserving Al Horford and making the guy that we saw last night be like a regular appearance, you know, not every game of the playoffs, but enough. And they've, you know, they're three eighths of the way through the season right now. And they've taken some really important steps on that front. Is there, like mentioned, just I like was looking at the stats for his minutes down. He's at 26 and a half uh, per game, which is much like it doesn't seem that much lower than 30, but that's over the course of a whole season. And so I think they're doing a good job. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if they've done this before, but it's like rest him on the first night of a back to back, knowing that they have a better opponent on the second night. I just thought it was interesting strategic wise. My question for you guys is. What do you think the best Celtics defensive lineup is right now? Because I think Chris Tapps Porzingis has been very, very good as a rim protector. But I think we saw sometimes in the OKC game where he's super dedicated to helping out of the paint. He maybe can't uh, get out and cast those threes. Is the lineup with Al a better defensive lineup or is it a lineup with Chris Tapps? Or is a combination? I don't know. I'm assuming we haven't seen a lot of both Chris Tapps and Al uh, lineups, but I just don't remember them being uh, thriving uh, on either end of the court. So I'm curious what you guys think. Who's the best five-man rotation in terms of best Celtics defense right now? Probably depends on the opponent. Oh, don't give me nuance. 
if if there if there is anywhere to hide Porzingis and to allow him to guard a non-shooter, then they're just gonna stifle you. They they are gonna punish you for having a non-shooter on the court. Porzingis is gonna stay near the rim, wipe away everything. It's gonna be just a real issue for him. If you need someone to be more capable of of being ag- aggressive on the perimeter, um, then then sometimes it's probably Al because it, it, and has been okay in switching. They don't do it a lot with him, but he's been okay when they've asked him to do it. But Al is has kind of been more comfortable in space a lot of the time, and uh, so yeah. But uh, I, I mean. They're both really good defenders. And then then you have Drew Holiday, Derek White, probably the NBA's best defensive backcourt. You have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who can guard just about anybody, especially as they've gotten stronger. Like Tatum can legitimately guard big men now in a way that he couldn't a long time ago. So the uh, Celtics defense is, is really, really good. Um, what they did to the Pacers – like that's tough to do. That Pacers team gets out in transition. They can kill you. And the Celtics just made them look normal, which almost never happened. They scored a ton of points. I just thought the the way the Celtics were able to disrupt that rhythm, never let them get in a rhythm from the first quarter on. It was just like constant, constant, constant. Just a super impressive defensive performance. Yeah, I mean – it's just wild to me that they 101 points is the like their lowest on the season for them. That just say, speaks to what kind of team they've been. Um, but yeah, going back to the defense question, Jim, I would also say I wouldn't even place it on the opponent. It's like I feel like there are certain nights where Al just doesn't have it. Like maybe against like OKC was one of these examples where he just like he's not moving well on one particular night, and that that happens when you're when you're 37. But Barring one of those nights, I think Al is the clear answer right now still. And you talk about versatility of being able to guard an Embiid or Giannis or being able to hold his own on the perimeter somewhat. He still does that better than Porzingis in totality. Like, obviously, he can't handle the Steph Currys and the SGAs of the world. But if you're just looking, like, across the board, like, who do you trust more in that spot still? It's still Al. But, um, you know, the, the the interesting question for Joe as the – the season goes on here is like who, you know, the, the upside of Chris tops offensively is so, you know, great where it's like, are you willing, like how much I imagine he's still going to have the edge by default, most nights in those spots, because that just creates the offense creates more problems for opposing defenses. The uh, I'm really curious to see how the Celtics handle. If they play in a playoff series, how they handle Joel Embiid, how they handle Giannis. Yep. Because there's no obvious answer in their starting line, and maybe with Giannis especially, the answer is just Drew Holiday. <laughs> just stick Drew <laughs> on him. Maybe that's the answer for Embiid too. Have Who knows? Everywhere else, yeah. They they showed it against Embiid during the regular season. It actually worked well during a regular season game earlier. But like over a long series, can you actually get away with that? So figuring out how to deal with those types of guys, those big physical forces in the playoffs with that starting lineup is going to be, I don't know if a problem is the right word, but a challenge for, for Joe Missoula because that starting lineup has been amazing. That starting lineup offensively just has solutions for everything. And Al Horford, as good as he's been this year, 
like there's just a big downgrade as far as post scoring, inside scoring, drawing free throws, all that stuff from Porzingis. So the more you have to play Al and get away from that starting lineup, I think is is probably not not a real issue because Al can still play at a super high level if you need him guarding Giannis, guarding Embiid. That's cool. It's worked in the past. But I just think if you don't have to play him because of his defense and you can find out other ways to to handle those matchups, that's just going to be a benefit. And I don't know, honestly, maybe it is just Drew, but but that's looking ahead. That's that's one of the potential issues for the Celtics. I think also in that those matchups, you want Chris Tapps on the floor because he can pull out of the paint Joel Embiid or uh, Brooke Lopez. But I and I think Chris Tapps has done a pretty good job of um, switching uh, and kind of stepping out and doing traps and stuff. But if he's in a drop and you're just going to let kind of pull up threes happen, Tyrese Maxey and Damian Lillard are like the kind of guys, I guess, offenses you'd want to have taking those shots. And so ideally you can hide someone, uh, Chris Tapps, on, uh, you know, someone else. But it's the playoffs. You're going to slow down offenses. They're going to hunt like hunt specific people to get into matchups. And so it's going to be interesting to see, because I don't think anyone's he's like Chris Tapps has really been directly Has anyone targeted. really successfully hunted him this year? I think you like, can say that. Bam out of bio probably beat, like gave him the most problems so far. I think the like, down low hunting him, I would say Bam. Um, but I think like just hunting his positioning, I think like, the Thunder did a pretty good job of like recognizing he was going to be helping and trying to like dish the guy to the guy on the perimeter. And so, but the um, Celtics also were giving up those shots on purpose. Like they, they decided we're going to leave Giddy alone. We're going to try to take away Shay's drives. We think that the paint points are going to hurt us the most. If they make the threes, basically tip your cap. I know, but Chris Tapp's right. value is being a rim protector. And so if he's going to be out there, you're going to want to the Chris, like the Celtics defense is going to want to like put Chris Tapps near the rim. And so, I can't think of another team that is really like focused on just trying to attack Chris Tapps or trying to get him out in space. Cause again, we said he's done a pretty good job of it, but I don't think anyone's still like done a high dose of pick and roll at Chris Tapps with the intention of just shooting over him. But I do think that's like a potential way to, to beat the Celtics. If you have a, just a good pull-up shooter there. Yeah. Although he's mobile too. Like I haven't seen too many teams like, really give the Celtics issues that way. Um, I feel like the Heat did a good job. The Celtics very... also have, they also have two of the best guards at avoiding screens, staying with their defenders in the entire league. Like Derek White and Drew Holiday are both so good at that. Drew Holiday in Milwaukee, that's how they played. He was going to stick to you. He was going to give you problems. It was going to be him versus the screener with Brooke Lopez way back. And Derek White, same thing. It's like he's He's never out of a play. He's always attached to his man around screens, whatever. So that helps too. I feel like the Heat in the very very early on in the season did a good job of attacking Chris Tapps in the drop with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and things like that. But that was the second game of the season. So I don't know how much to take away from that. Just looking at the advanced numbers in just terms of defensive rating, the Celtics are second in the league in defense, second in the league in offense. Folks, the the I think that's happened three times uh, in the past. The 2017 Warriors, the 2015 Warriors, and the 96 Bulls. Uh, so 
B Rob, do you think the like? <laughs> I think the offense is going to be there. I don't know if they're going to uh, overtake the Pacers, but I guess do you think the defense is sustainable at this point? I think it could be. I think it's going to be you know a rock fight. They're going to be they're going to have a lot of company up there in the the top five um, defensively. But yeah, I think it all comes down to like health essentially, and also um, how much they want to lock in. Like if they if they build like a six or seven game lead and like for the number one spot in the East, then maybe they take their foot off the gas a little bit, just organically. Um, but from a personnel standpoint, they absolutely have the, the ingredients there. I think that was the one area I've been surprised has come along so quickly, or has even been ahead of the offense for much of the year is like how well they've come together defensively. And that's part of that is, you know, obviously acquiring Drew holiday before the season started. But I think Porzingis, as we've kind of lined out has been better than expected in terms of what he's able to do. And that's um, made life a lot easier as far as rim protection for um, the guys on the perimeter. So it's, it's there for them. Um, and the the record kind of matches it right now. And like, it's like we keep harping on, like the schedule has been really tough. So it's like, they're not doing it against layup opponents either. So um, when they face more of the wizards and the, the pistons of the world, um, that number, I guess, could still just go up. Yeah, was anybody be... surprised that uh, Aaron Neesmith hurt somebody? No, <laughs> we have to get to that. We've we've wasted way too long before the to get well, away from the Aaron Neesmith friendly fire. Get started on your resolutions with Factor, so you're ready for the new year. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your New Year resolutions. Factor is amazing because you do not have to go to the grocery store. You do not have to do any of that meal planning, something I'm terrible at. They just have the meals ready for you, delivered to you at your door, and you no longer have to just spend so much money on takeout. Factor is cheaper than takeout and much better tasting food. So if you just want that occasional meal or if you want to plan your entire week, you can go to Factor factormeals.com slash winning50 and use code winning50 to get 50% off. That's code winning50 at factormeals.com slash winning50 to get 50% off. It's an absolute steal. That is factormeals.com slash winning50 with promo code winning50 and you get 50% off. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to Still Potable here on the CLNS YouTube. If you want more Still Potable, go to patreon.com slash stillpotable. You'll get us every day, Monday through Friday, the best Celtics podcast, the best daily Celtics podcast, not like those other shenanigans and fools out there on the internet, charlatans, I would say. Um, 
let's empty the let's empty the mailbag. Let's empty the or the not the mailbag, the notes. Like what's what else do you guys have to, from observations? I guess either in Utah or Indiana. But we'll start with, I dare I say, reckless Aaron Neesmith. I don't it, like the the play where he actually injured Chris Tapps. Like just felt, kind of felt like a fluke, but. Uh, I think Scal and Drew Carter were talking about on the broadcast, like he has contained his wild play. It's still kind of like the name crash still applies. It's still kind of out of control, but it's like an order of magnitude less or more in control than it was with the Celtics. And so B Rob, what's your impression of um, green bean as uh, he was nicknamed here in Boston? Yeah. Neesmith, when you're playing 30 minutes a night now, you can't really go as balls to the wall. Um, but he still gets pretty close to it. He still goes like I think like the top one or two percentile league. Be ball like, to the wall. Ball yeah, to the wall. Yeah. Just while you know, singular there. Um, yeah. So I mean it's just if you're gonna tell me before that game someone Porzingis got poked in the eye, I would have guessed nine times out of ten that Neesmith was the culprit. Um and I don't know, get Porzingis wait, he came back for what, two minutes there, tried to play through it and I don't wonder if it was like up oh, the lights or whatever. Like, or, nah, no, this is good. Come out, start at halftime. Like, nope, still not feeling it. You, you um, could tell, he, like, you could see his eye. Like, it was clearly not right when he came around. back in. They showed they showed his eye, and it was just like barely open. <laughs> it, it it was right of him, I think, to step off the court. Oh, oh, hopefully for the Celtics, he won't miss too much time. The Neesmith experience. I thought Joe Mazzulla put it well. I think Abby asked him. Uh, basically, do you think Neesmith takes this challenge or matchup personally? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. He takes every matchup personally. He's just just a maniac, utter maniac on the basketball court. The dunk on Derek White was fantastic. The whole Neesmith experience is, it's a ride. And he's become a a valuable player for Indiana. He's shooting a really high percentage from threes. At least for a little while, he's leading the league. I don't think he is anymore, though. I could be wrong there. He's super athletic. He's super energetic. And one of the few guys on that team that gives them a defensive physicality that that they they really need more of, honestly. So salute to Neesmith. He, he's carved himself out a, a role in the league, and he's done it in a way that I don't think a lot of people anticipated. He came into the league. People thought he was just going to be a, a shooter. I think he called himself an absolute sniper in his <laughs> po- post-draft press conference. And instead, he's just become an energy guy. And now he's starting to knock down shots. But he really got himself on the court due to his defense and just playing hard, harder than just about anybody. Uh, one thing we, we kind of touched on, we haven't really mentioned, Jalen Brown also had 31 points last night, just a casual 30-30 from the Jays. Um, he continues to play the best basketball of his career. I've been like listening to some other maybe Celtics media uh, podcasts. I won't say which ones, but um, do you guys think Jalen Brown is going to make the all-star team this year? Because I don't, you really think he's just a lock? Yeah. I think it's. Once you, once you make the all-star team, it's easier to make the all-star team again. And true. so he has the all-star pedigree. He's on the best team in the league. They are three and a half games clear of anybody else. Yeah, I, I do think he's going to make the all-star team. He's he's going to make it. And then beyond him, it'll be, I don't know if Derek White will make it. 
Christoph Porzingis probably has a case. I don't think he'll make it, but I, I I don't know if he's been the Celtics' second best player so far. But for All Star purposes, he'll be there. The first I returns. From a, oh, go ahead, go ahead. From a number standpoint, like I mean, Jalen's been unbelievable the past month, but like Porzingis is pretty close to like Jalen if you're just looking at like the metrics. I agree. Like I mean, he's obviously doing. I agree, Jay. Like you with the the, the pedigree he has. I would be surprised if he doesn't get it if this team keeps on this pace for another couple of weeks. But and he was um, high in the first fan vote too. Yeah, so that that's a good point. Maybe he'll get in as a as a starter potentially based on what the players vote, um, or at least have a chance at that. But yeah, that is uh, it is it's nuts. It's like you can. I mean, we'll we'll break down all the candidates in depth here in the upcoming weeks um, on the show, and we'll actually break down like Porzingis' chances, White's chances, et cetera. But like two seems definite for the Celtics and three, four question mark, like is not as preposterous if they keep this pace up. It's going to be tough because only 12 guys make it. And so right now, Chris Tapps was eighth in the front court voting. Derek White was eighth in the guards voting. So if you just go based on that, they probably not make it. But Mikhail Bridges is ahead of Chris Tapps right now. I don't think he's an all-star. LaMelo Ball is ahead of uh, Derek is White. Mikhail Bridges so hot? I don't know. That really doesn't make any like, sense. The Nets have no fans. <laughs> right. Where are they coming from? Where are these votes coming from? Who who started the Mikhail Bridges campaign? Okay, who do you think's ninth right after Porzingis? Paolo. No, more votes than Paolo from your Washington Wizards, Kyle Kuzma. Mm. So who knows what's going on with this? This is why they took away power from the fans in terms of all-star voting. They didn't they didn't trust them to make the uh, the legitimate decisions after what so many years of uh Dwayne Wade and I guess Derek Rose making it for no no good reason. Um B Rob, any other any other observations from the the past two games? Uh other yeah. than 100%. We need to break down. This is what I've been most excited for today to talk about with you guys. We need to break down the the Hauser Cornet switcheroo situation at the free throw line that was that was a great <laughs> moment they really they really tried to pull a fast one and so here's my question for you guys though on this like we saw so if anyone missed in the fourth quarter loose ball foul cornet got fouled going the other way um it was a long break they have to walk down the other side of the floor hauser tries to sneak in take the free throws in cornet's place almost does it and then the refs actually eventually catch him so cornet goes to the line and so Cornet makes the first and NBC Sports Boston cameras pick him up like yelling at the bench, essentially, um, after one make and then makes the second one and hits with the, the ice in his vein celebration. So my question is, <laughs> is that celebration like an inside joke on the fact that they weren't making free throws that night? Or is the fact that they tried the pressure was on Cornet because they tried the switcheroo. It didn't work. So like all eyes are on him. Like he had to make those free throws and. He rightfully celebrated there. I'm I, either way. I we need to get to the bottom of this, but I'm I'm curious for you guys' take on this. Do you think it was an intentional gambit? Like there's like a Joe was yeah. like yeah, they, they knew who was fouled. <laughs> there's no way you don't know who's fouled. But <laughs> Joe was like run the run this like uh, Hauser sneakily. We're in Indiana. Run the switcheroo. Line. Do you think it was something that came from the top, or do you think Hauser was just like now's my opportunity to get you know get a few more uh, free throws? I I, I would guess that it was just on Hauser. It's tough to communicate that from the sideline. Well, they might have a play. They might. Uh, Joe's very prepared. Yeah, maybe he told Hauser anytime there's a situation where you might be able to sneak to the line, try it. Because there's no downside to it. All they do is just have have Cornette take them. 
Like, there's no downside to getting caught in that. Um, I enjoyed it. I would guess it was because Hauser tried to go to the line and and not the fact that it was one of the worst free throw shooting performances I have ever seen. They were four for 12 at one point. It was outrageous. I've never seen a team miss free throws like they did. They did not get a free throw in the first half. Then they got a bunch of them in the third quarter, but we're just missing all of them. It was it was a weird, weird free throw game for the Celtics. Agreed. That was that was wild. I'm with you. I think it was the the fact that he got to go there after they tried to pull this move. And I don't know, long live Luke Cornett. That's the type of entertaining shit that we need in the two games. You could just tell the, the reaction from the bench after he did that, just how much how much of a kick it they want. That's that's the uh the perfect um uh, energy guy you want to come off the bench that keeps things light he definitely has the best celebrations on the team whether it's the moose or the glasses uh he's definitely bringing bringing lots of celebration game uh we got anything else we got while we we're on game? while we're on hauser and cornet i thought they had a uh great performance together after the the jazz game in the locker room do tell do tell <laughs> that <laughs> In that locker room, Cornette was just singing singing Christmas tunes. Just <laughs> on just January belting them out. Oh yeah. It was it was late for the Christmas tunes, but he was belting them out. And then Hauser was just proclaiming to people that he's a lob threat. <laughs> he, he caught an alley oop in that game. And he was just telling everyone that he's a lob threat now. So he had three dunks. That duo. Yeah. He had three dunks heading into this year. I think he has seven dunks this year, two of them on lobs. So that's a hundred percent increase on the amount of dunks. Uh, he might be a lob threat. I saw someone on Twitter write that Celtics people were crazy for going for like thinking it's unusual when Sam Hauser dunks because he's a six eight NBA player. Well, it, it was unusual. This guy had three dunks his entire career heading into the season. I think two of them came on the same night. So he had dunked in two different games in his career before this season. So, yes, we are we are going to remark when Sam Hauser dunks, especially when he catches an alley-oop, which I think he's now done twice in his career, maybe three times in his career. So it's rare. It's unusual. It's fun. Oh yeah, it's hard to dunk <laughs> in an NBA game though. You have to be so athletic. Watching what guys do in even guys you don't think are athletic, what they can do in in pregame layup lines is just insane. Like Luke Cornett can throw down between his legs dunks, and it's like, oh wow, they're these guys are far more athletic than they're even allowed because you have to be just on another level to dunk against that level of athlete. And Hauser. Just on another level athletically these days. Been a hell of a year for Hauser. Shooting the ball from anywhere. Um his defense has been really good. His defense is yeah, his defense has been, you know, far better than I think anyone would expect given the growth in his role. And yeah, now you got Brad Stevens talking about, hey, yeah, we're looking for a big wing, but the answer might be internal. And obviously Hauser is a big part of that equation in terms of he's gonna get the those first crack of those minutes in the playoffs and I don't know, I guess the other random development from last night, like Brissett seemed like he was everywhere and he's kind of yeah. like, he's not making he, shots still. He always everywhere. is everywhere. <laughs> he's like, and the shots still don't fall, but like 
do they have an option or is there an option out there that is better than just like the high energy Brissett? Like, I don't, Stevens had that press conference where he said they want to bring in a big wing. Brissett is a big wing, but he's just not like knocking down threes. Uh, feels like the only time he ever knocked down threes was playing against the Celtics for the Pacers. But is there an option out there uh, that is that much better than, I guess, what O'Shea Brissett is giving them right now? And if so, do you see them going out and, and actually spending capital to get it? And part of that equation is how much more of a problem is it in the playoffs that he can't knock down shots? Right. Because that's what you have to think about. It's it's not just can we throw O'Shea Brissett into a regular season game and be fine because the answer to that is very clearly yes. He's going to defend. He's going to crash the glass. He's going to try really hard to make an impact. But it's can, can is he an option in the playoffs realistically? And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if the Celtics know the answer to that. And that that's why you. That's why Brad said, you know, we're going to look for a, a big wing because you want the guy who can hold up defensively but also knock down shots and also punish you if you're going to focus too much on guarding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So that that's that's the part of the equation that I don't really know the answer to. Um, and look, like, it's going to take a pretty good player to to crack this Celtics playoff rotation or have a chance of cracking the Celtics playoff rotation. We'll see yeah. if they can find anyone better than Brissett. I think that they need to. Oh, go ahead, B. Rob. No, I was going to say now. It seems like they're at least trying to figure out. Like, I mean, he's played more than 15 minutes in four of the last five games. In the standpoint, of, like, what can he give us when he gives when he has consistent minutes, which he hasn't had for a while? And on the standpoint of just like having that information moving into the trade deadline. To your point, Jay, being like, how much can we give him a little bit of rope here? Like, what can he show us? And then we can make kind of an educated decision of being like. Do we feel comfortable in any spot from the playoffs or is it a situation where we just need to find that upgrade? And he's, he's probably going to stay on the team, but he's just going to be further down the bench. The thing that we're thinking about, if we just like playoff rotations in the playoffs, playoff rotations in the playoffs, that's redundant. Um, playoff rotations are generally pretty short. Like right now they have a solid nine man rotation where they have the top six and then they have, um, the Russian doll of white players with Pritch uh, Pritchard, Hauser, and Cornette. Are it going to get much deeper than that? Like, we rotations really shortened down, and I would be surprised if they're going to have like a tenth guy. So I think like, yes, the question is like whether or not they can bring in someone who's better than um, Brissett. But it's like, are they even going to be able someone who's like better than Hauser? Or are they going to bring in someone who's going to crack that? top nine. probably not better than hauser yeah probably not like hauser's pretty so good. that's pretty why i don't hard. feel like they're gonna do i feel like they'll probably take a flyer on some guy and see if they he works out but i don't anticipate the playoff rotation like i don't even know if luke cornett's gonna play in the playoffs like maybe some spot minutes here or there but you'd have to imagine that the top six guys especially if you've rested out Horford for the entire time are going to play between 30 and 35 minutes and there's just not going to be that many more minutes for guys beyond Pritchard, beyond Hauser. And so I don't know, I don't know if this team neck, like if we're just talking about the playoffs, do you need more than those nine guys that they currently have to really make a deep run? Cause you're just presuming that, you know, the starters are going to play that much more and there's just not going to be that much more uh, bench opportunity. I think it's more about 
when you have to presume in the 20 plus games of the playoffs, like Al and or Porzingis is going to miss time. Um, and then in those games, it's like, who, where do you go? If like, if it's a bad matchup for Cornette, then suddenly like, where do you go? If Al's out or Porzingis is out, Cornette, you don't feel comfortable with like, what's your, are you better off going super small for bigger wing is, is O'Shea Brissett capable of giving you five or 10 minutes in that spot in each half? Or do you have to go find someone who can do that? Because that is like, the trade deadline all about right now is just, it's about fortifying what you have. And I think the biggest risk to this team right now, um, it seems like on paper, just is simply health in getting to the finish line as is because they are very top heavy. And that is stuff that's going to get tested with the injury history of these guys and just the age of these guys in general. Jay, your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let's let's round out our, our final topic. That's I think a passion project for Jay King. Um, Lil B, the based god, I guess blessed the Celtics, and made, people were quite thrilled with this news. Some people less than thrilled. Jay, the floor is yours. The the way I saw it was that my buddies shared it in a, a group chat and they were all so excited that little B had blessed the Celtics. Let, let me, let me take you back to the last time, or at least the first time little B blessed the Celtics. I don't know if he's blessed the Celtics because quite frankly, he's not relevant. I, I don't know what he does on a daily, daily basis. He has not been relevant in years, has not been relevant in ages. I don't know why people care about this guy, quite frankly, the first time or last time I remember little B blessing the Celtics Gordon, it came right before the 2017, 2018 season, Gordon Hayward snapped his ankle five minutes into the opening season. Kyrie Irving had season ending ankle surgery. I believe even Daniel Tice that year had season ending surgery. There was a third season ending surgery. They lost to Game seven at home in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who had LeBron and basically nobody else. They had their hearts ripped out. Terry Rozier went 0 for 10 in that game seven. They come back the next year. It's the most dysfunctional season maybe in Celtics history. They win 48 games with maybe the most talented team in the league. Al Horford leaves. Kyrie leaves. Gordon Hayward ends up leaving. It was an absolute mess. They were in full-blown shambles. The Little B is the biggest fraud in the entire world. The fact that people give him credit, the fact that that the Celtics quote tweeted this, this fool, you are just perpetuating the biggest fraud in the entire internet. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of sheep sheep out here pretending like little b carries any influence whatsoever it's a joke nobody should be paying attention to this guy nobody should give this guy any love nobody should care about him whatsoever <laughs> no one should give him any love his loved ones should not love him nobody should care about this guy not a soul should care about this guy it appalls me that that there's a, a part of the world that considers his blessing important. I I'm sick of him. I'm sick of the people who like him. I'm sick of everything about little B, the based fraud. Are you saying I should withdraw 
my request for him to bless this podcast. Was that <laughs> yeah, this podcast is already blessed. <laughs> no matter what the fuck little B says, this podcast is blessed. I don't want season-ending surgery, B Rob. So I don't want that. <laughs> Packard Packard's voice goes out. He has that vocal. It was it was funny. I I put that on Twitter. I put that on Twitter, and people were all mad at me for for taking it seriously. I'm like, I'm, this is not serious. This is just just a bit having fun, guys. But also seriously. But also, <laughs> but also, space fraud. Uh, come nowhere near this podcast. We don't want your blessing. <laughs> we, well, what's he? Because he also base God puts on curses, and so true. we're cursing him. We're Ooh. we're going to take it to him and said the best defense is an offense. I don't want to curse him. I don't want to curse him. <laughs> I hired to fire there. Uh, he, well, we got everybody has my blessing. Everyone except the idiots who who tout Little B, except okay, those we'll, morons. We'll put a curse on Little B's followers. Then I just want to put a curse on someone. It seems fun. I I don't, I don't want to curse people. Yeah, that's where you and I differ. But you know, what? I will curse at people. That you will. That you will. That's that's the still potable difference, folks. No curses, but only curse words. Uh, anything else, boys? Before we wrap up this episode of Still Potable. I got nothing else. Hearing just, nothing. Just no, more, Pacers. more Pacers That's coming up. Yeah, we got more. Pa- it's a very interesting week of Celtics basketball. I think uh, we'll get the Pacers game, but really it's the two middle matchups against the revenge game against the Minnesota Timberwolves and then back-to-back against the Bucks. Um, let's, let's end on a little prediction. Which game do you think Al Horford sits out? And how do you think the Celtics do in those two games? Do they keep... The winning streak alive at home and move to 18 and 0 at home. B Rob, your thoughts. Al sits at home against Minnesota because that's the less important game. And they win anyway. They're they've been a good vengeance team so far. If 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 you beat them, they're probably gonna beat you the next time they see you. If they lose yeah. once, they're probably not gonna lose the next time out. They've only lost consecutive games one time all season, which is which is very impressive. They they've they've shown an ability to to bounce back. They uh and they're five and one on back to backs. Like this is very much this has been very much the type of team that Joe Mazzula wanted to build that just treats every game the same way, that's tough, that gets through stuff, that doesn't let stuff linger. And so yeah, I think they're gonna beat the Timberwolves. That was probably the worst their offense has looked all season. The end of that Timberwolves game, Timberwolves just totally shut them down, totally forced them into ISO stagnant nonsense. And I think they'll they'll handle that intensity and that physicality much better this time and figure out a way to take advantage of Rudy Gobert with Kristaps Porzingis. I, I, I have to agree. I think they, the home streak is... There's some some good magic there. I think they're gonna go at least twenty and zero at home. I think you're. I agree with you. Um, I don't know. Do you think that that that's the biggest factor in terms of wh- how Horford sits is like the importance of the game, or do you think it's more matchup based? Because my going in thinking, where do you think Horford is more needed against the double bigs of the Timberwolves, or to be like kind of the Giannis slowing down Giannis guy against the Bucks? 
because I could see them doing. I I I don't know what rhyme or reason they're going to use to kind of. Those are two matchups where he's pretty important. Yeah, he's pretty important for both. I think equal importance. It's like, but the game, like for tiebreaker purposes, the game against the Bucks is the one you want more. Um, but you're right, Prior. Like you, you. That's not a good game to send against the Wolves when you got Towns and and Gobert out there. Like that's putting a lot of pressure on Cornet and the rest of the bench. But the good news for that game for the Celtics is that the Wolves are playing in Orlando on Tuesday night. So they're going to be coming into town, coming off a long flight. Um, that's a rough back-to-back for them. That is a tough back-to-back. I So I think I'm going to uh, pick the Celtics to win and beat the Wolves. And then I'm going to pick them to win and beat the Bucks because I'm a homer and it's more fun. Than <laughs> <laughs> they have been great on back-to-backs. <laughs> Great on back-to-backs, great against the Bucks. Hey, Chris Porzingis' availability is a big wild card. And all yeah, that's a pretty yeah, – we'll I mean – Were you guys trash, surprised he played – Were you guys surprised knows. he played last night, Jay? Did you think he was going to play that back-to-back before he got hurt? Yeah, so he was playing back-to-backs before the calf stuff popped up. Um, so I figured it was only a matter of time before he started playing them again. So that, that didn't surprise me. Um, he played back-to-backs last year in Washington. Like, he's – He's not the, he's not thirty seven years old like Al Horford, still in his twenties. So, you, no, that that didn't surprise me. Yeah, it's like a good sign. The calf and the ankle is good now. It's like pretty yeah. much like he they were. But now the eye screwed. But now exactly so, now I gotta watch out the eye. Yeah, Celtics hopefully, and eye problems. Hopefully, it's just a scratch on the eyelid and not the actual cornea because I think if you scratch your cornea, you have to be out for a little bit of time to let that repair. But we might see Chris Stapps in. Rex specs, which I think it would be a powerful look. Maybe unlock the most powerful version of Chris Stapps for Singus. But I, I love that Drew Carter and Scal recommended just stealing Jalen Smith's goggles. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that. I did as well. We'll see what happens. Um, three more games this week with the Boston Celtics. If you want to hear us, the still potable guys, I guess you would describe us as a uh, you can go to patreon.com slash still potable. We'll have a podcast after every single game. We'll have some podcasts in between. That's patreon.com slash still potable. The best Celtics podcast. We really appreciate everyone who has tuned in. And we appreciate even more everyone who has subscribed to us on the Patreon. Really trying to create some a fun community over there. The chat on the Patreon app is just firing away during every single game. We got some uh, great people in there. Got a voicemail line, uh, leaving some interesting, interesting voicemails. Um, we get to that uh, during the week. So if you want to come and join us, it's still potable fam. Again, patreon.com slash still potable. For B-Rob of MassLive.com, Jay King of The Athletic, and Jam Packard of Still Potable, we really appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode. And we'll be back on the CLNS YouTube feed next week. But in the meantime, join us on the Patreon. Enjoy the snow, Boston folks.